Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You've reached the Voices of the Cannabis Wars uh, radio show, um, where we're trying to bring you as much news as possible from the front lines. Um, my name is Kristen Floor. I'm one of the hosts of the show, and Eugene Fisher is one of the hosts of the show. And we have an um, absolutely amazing Christmas show planned for you today. Um, we are we are going to have a lot of our few of our POWs that's been released this year that were serving life sentences call into the show. Um, it's just absolutely going to be amazing. First, we're going to have Randy Lanier um, calling in. Uh, he was served life and got out about eight months ago or so. We're also going to have David Rhodes, who was serving a life sentence, who just recently got out. And then Craig Cecil is going to call right from prison to let us know what's going on behind bars at this time of the year. Also, right after that, we're going to hear from Jeff Mazansky, who was just recently released from Missouri, who served 19 years of his life sentence, along with Irma Alred, who I think she served 23 years of her sentence. Um, And then after that, we are going to have uh, Eugene Fisher's amazing good friend, George Marcherano, who served 33 years of a life sentence for our plant. Um, That's going to be an amazing long interview, about an hour-long interview. And we're going to have some special guests come on during that interview, like Stephanie Landra and Vivian McPeak, who um, runs the Seattle Hemp Fest and adopted George not too long ago. So we're we're going to have a packed show. We're going to be moving right along with guests, guest to guest to guest. So stay tuned for, for what's going on here. Eugene, are you there? Yes, I am, Kristen. Uh it's, it's been a wonderful week, and we're going to uh, finalize the week with this wonderful show. Uh, the, the highlight of the past week was Billy Deacon, another good friend of mine I did a number of years with in prison, life sentence for pot, just got pardoned. The president is cutting them loose. Yes! Isn't that <laughs> great news? <laughs> I mean... This is news that, like, the whole nation, everybody in every single group um, advocates for these guys. Everybody holds signs for them. Um, Certain people write letters to them, signing letters uh, for them, for the president. We represent these guys at events all the time, and now they're free. And one of them is one of your good friends, Eugene. How does that feel to know that one of your friends gets – another one of your friends from behind bars gets to go home to his family? Yeah, I can't tell you how – Elated I am. I was in cloud nine when Mindy called me and told me, and it's Aww. it's turning. The, the the war on drugs, the war on marijuana, is turning a definite corner. Uh, I'm feeling better than I have in many many years. It's really positive, yeah. Christine. Nice, Eugene. I am happy for you. Um, you spent 25 years. Of a life sentence, you spent you spent 25 Christmases behind bars, and now you're free this year for Christmas, and some of your friends to get to feel freedom. Um, How does that feel, Eugene? I know we've been talking, and I I get the feelings coming from you, and they feel good. Yeah, it's it's positive. I'm I'm going to be with my two beloved daughters and uh, three, four four grandkids, and. Uh, it's all those years I was without them. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, you'll hear from Randy and David and George more about what it is 
uh, on a holiday comes in prison. They'll, th- they'll give you more insight. I can just tell you, uh, part of the freedom thing is release, when, so you can be celebrating freely with family and friends holidays. Real nice. holidays don't exist in prison. Well, Chad Lantham is also, we had two of the prisoners, um, and Mindy Griffiths, she's one of our Voices of the Cannabis Wars advocate, and she's got a list of prisoners that she advocates for. And one of them is Chad Latham, and she's been spent a lot of time communicating with him and trying to get his story out. And so she is especially happy. Let's get her on real quick and just say, hey, Mindy, your friend's out. Woohoo! How does it feel to know hey, that you're getting out, Mindy? It was pretty exciting. It? I mean, I, Chad was one of the first ones that I regularly corresponded with. I mean, I had corresponded a little bit with Irma, but... Um, I have Chad on on my core links, so I'm really looking forward to that message that people say they get when somebody gets released. I'm I'm, I'm very excited for him. Um, well, according to Candu, that it may not be till April till some of these prisoners get to return to their families because it takes takes a while for the clemency, I guess, to for them to actually be released. That is true, but um, in Chad's case, what he's understanding, he was supposed to be transferred to SeaTac. Um, and instead of being transferred to SeaTac, he's going to be going to a halfway house closer to his family until he's able to get, get completely out of the system. Nice, nice. Well, you guys, before we wait for our next caller, our first caller, I just want everybody to know that the Voices of the Cannabis War um, is sponsored by CCHI Radio, and uh, Eugene and I host it. Mindy produces it. She's also a regular guest on the show. We have Becca Nichols, who is an executive director for the Human Solution International, and she's going to help us screen today. So um, it's going to be a beautiful, nice show, and thank you to all the volunteers that helped this show um, go, go take place. Um, right now we are waiting for Randy Lanier to be our first guest, and he hasn't quite called in yet. How um, This is going to be Randy's first Christmas um, with his family, Eugene? Yep. Yeah, it's going to be, and uh, he's excited. Uh, he'll give you the story when he gets on. Uh, like many of us in prison, uh, you just kind of you don't feel like celebrating while you're there, while you're locked up. So, this Eugene, is a, what was what was your first Christmas out like? It was wonderful. Um, we got together with everybody. Uh, this Christmas, they're scattered from Canada to Virginia down here. So uh, I'm, I can only spend two with with a part part of my my family. But the first one, we were all together, and it was wonderful. Nice. Yeah. So, it's, it's, um, it's, okay, we're waiting on Randy. He's he works so and he's get trying to take off work. Maybe that's why he's a little delayed. Right. Um, We're also going to, at the end of the closing of today's show, we're going to hear from um, a a little bit about Eugene, about a friend of his who who died in prison. So stay tuned to find a little bit more about his friend. Um, His name is uh, Bill Lamort. So we're going to find out Bill Lamort and the sacrifices he made to our movement soon. Um, Also, I want to... 
I want to mention that we are working on a website, and we've got some funds that's going to be available to us in order to get the website, in order to maybe get some buttons so that we can help our prisoners out um, by selling their buttons around at different events that we go to and stuff. So if you would like to help us coordinate the website or donate to the website, you can send us an email at voicesofthecannabiswar at gmail.com. It's going to be a place where everybody and anybody can bring um, can bring their their stuff to our site, and we will put it out there for everybody to see. So as you listen to our radio show, and we have other groups that come on the show, we're going to be able to have links to how you can get in touch with those people through our site. So um, stay tuned for that. It's going to be great. Kristen, I'd like to make a point here uh, while we're waiting on the guests to come on. The uh, uh, war on, on, on drugs, the war on marijuana, prohibition, it's, it's turned a corner. We're going in the right direction. But it's like, like an athletic event. When you, need, when you look like you're close to the finish line is when you've got to put on that extra spurt of energy to make sure you win make sure it happens. And that's where we're at. This is the time when we got to give it all our energy and attention to push it over that, that finish line and, and let us win. You know, that's what has to be done. So I want everyone out there to, to know that we ought to feel good. Things are happening. Our efforts are not in vain. They're working, but now is the time to get that second wind and, Get in there and win and push hard. And that's because what we're doing with the voices of the war. For sure, for sure. Our goal is to make sure that nobody is in prison for a plant ever, <laughs> ever, 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 like Craig Cecil. We're going to hear from him soon who's, who will be calling in from prison um, for us. He's another, so. another one we're working on to get out. And I, uh, it's got to be, we're going to be able to announce uh, in the new year. Two releases of prisoners we're working with, Val is working with, uh, it, it's happening. And that's one of our major goals. We're not going to rest till everyone behind bars for for our plant, for marijuana, is out. That's our goal. For sure. For sure. Um, well, Eugene, we don't have Randy on quite yet, and we have our uh, next guest calling in about five minutes. So we do have a guest on the line. Her name is Terry, and her boyfriend, Jason Miller, is in prison right now or jail right now for our plant. So I'm going to just bring her on just real quick um, to find a, kind of get an idea of what's going on around Christmas time with them and their case. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Hi, guys. How are you guys? I'm, I'm oh, doing we're all hanging right. In there. We only <laughs> have a couple minutes because we got some ex-POWs calling in, but what's going on nice. with Jason? You guys uh, well, I've got a couple of people volunteering to help his case out. Um, one of them's name is Reverend Brandon uh, Baker. He's a cannabis-based church uh, reverend here in Colorado, and he used to be Dion Custis. He's a normal uh, attorney out of Wyoming. He used to be his paralegal and investigator, and he's volunteered to help Jason's public defender <laughs> out oh. with that case. Nice. So that yeah, that's a little bit of good news there. I would really like to get him a different attorney. Um, I've been talking to Becca. Me and Becca talked a long time last night from the Human Solutions. Good. He's, he's, he's asking actually, your phones this month. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. 
So um, we talked last night, and um, she's, like, all gung-ho to try and get his bond either reduced or the other bond reinstated, the $10,000 cash that they already have reinstated. So maybe we can try and bring him home before court. I would love that. That would be Um, beautiful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm working really hard on it, and I'm hitting people up. I've... I've shared my Herbal Soldier page with more than 12,000 people. <laughs> so. Good, good, good. What about um, Christmas? How is he feeling about the possibility of a chance that he might be in Christmas for this? Uh, he's not very happy. But we really haven't even discussed Christmas. I told him that Christmas isn't going to be this year. Now, there will be many more Christmases to come, but this year it's just not really, not really in the heart right now, I guess. You know, okay. so we got a lot of other things going. I'm alone here in the motorhome with my dog. I had to ask my son to leave. Uh, there was some bad situations. He's a vet, and he was getting a little bit um, violent with his mom. We'll just put it that way. Oh. And so I had to ask him to go. So now I'm a, I am alone now as of a little over a week ago now. Um, I'm here. I am trying to find a program that could possibly help me with some rent assistance for my lot rent. It's four twenty five a month. I'm told there's programs out there that can help me, but I haven't found any yet. And since I asked my son to go, he won't be paying for that for me now. And I don't want to lose my spot and be back in Walmart parking lot. Right. So I'm, I'm digging for some help with that right now. Okay, well, hang in there, Terry. Um, I hope you find it. Um, if you need our assistance with anything, let us know. Um, we will, we are here to help. We are very, very busy, but if there's anything specific we can do for you, we will do it for you and, and for the older I, herbal surgeon. i just like to call in because, like, there's so many times that you guys have brought up this subject that I needed to know information about. And so it, it can be very informative just to sit here and listen to you guys. So I'm on the line, okay? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you, and um, have a wonderful day today. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. And tell the you guys so and have very, a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, and that we, we love and care about him. Okay, you guys all have a Merry Christmas. You too. Thank you. All right, you guys, that was Terry Miller calling in to put a plea out there for her husband who's in prison right now or in jail right now for our plant. And while we wait for our next guest, I just want to mention, you know, we have so many people serving life sentences, and right here in Washington we have Lance Glore up to 35 to life soon, and he's going to be going in trial in Tacoma, Washington on January 7th unless they change, um, unless they change his court date he will be facing up to 35 years to life. So I just want everybody to realize most of these prisoners went to trial and most of them were found guilty. So for everybody out there, know that it's your power not to just judge if the law has been broken, but to actually judge the law. And if you think it's a bad law, you can vote with your conscience and save each other from prison. So we can actually um, stop sending people to prison by simply saying not guilty. And, you know, through jury nullification, we would have saved these life prisoners who are facing life for our plant right now or are in life for our plant right now. In 2016, we definitely do not want to make any more prisoners 
um, in in any state, especially Washington, where we call it legal. So it's a good time to stand up to the federal government and say we don't want Lance to go to prison for the rest of his life and show up in court support. I believe his case it starts at nine o'clock in the morning. So we also have Debbie and Josh, who was just changed. They're they're facing um, prison time as well. So if you are interested in writing Debbie and Josh a letter on their behalf, please um, contact Debbie Breschler or Josh Mock, and they will they will tell you how to get a letter to them. They also need your presence in the courtroom at nine o'clock on the 29th in order to show the courts that we don't want them in prison. So check that out. Um, We've got a new call, and as soon as we find out who it is, I'm going to put them on, and hopefully it will be one of our prisoners. So, um, um, Are you still there, Eugene? Yes, I'm here. Uh, that should be David coming on so we can he, – he has a good story, a prison story about holidays. Uh, and uh, David was facing – life and he uh, he did 20 some years also uh oh, he's cool. a good friend uh he's living in california uh he's an entrepreneur doing things and i'll be doing things with him in the uh, business world well david's so on the line right now so i'm gonna unmute his microphone and say good morning david our one of our heroes okay. that came out of prison <laughs> hi david <laughs> Hi, good morning, Mindy. How are you? Well, I'm Kristen, but Mindy's Mindy's on here too. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I well. guess I'm here, huh? <laughs> good morning, David. Good morning. Oh, good morning, We're, Jane. How are you? Good. We're looking forward to you giving us one of those stories that you can tell so well of holidays <laughs> in prison, David. Okay. Maybe I can just give you a little background. I served 20 years in federal prison myself as. Uh, I was one of the casualties of uh, the drug war, and uh, Eugene asked me a few days ago if I would, uh, you know, say something about, uh, you know, about Christmas, about what Christmas is like in in prison, and I thought, you know, at first I thought, oh, yeah, sure, no problem, and then as the time has gone by, it's weighed heavy on my heart. I almost... I'm just, I'm so sad for the people that are in prison this year. Um, You know, 13 years of my sentence was served in United States Penitentiary Leavenworth. Uh, And uh, perhaps some of you know that Leavenworth was the first federal penitentiary. It was built in 1903. And so it's kind of like a medieval torture chamber. When I first pulled up there in a bus, I looked at it, and rarely have I ever had fear in my heart, even when I was originally sentenced to a life with no parole sentence before I won on appeal. But when I pulled up in front of Leavenworth, it it took my breath away. And I'd like to take, uh, you know, myself back almost a decade, maybe a little bit longer, about 2005, uh, it was Christmas, and it was Christmas Eve, and, you know, in Leavenworth, all the windows are painted over. There's 40-foot walls. There's gun towers. You never see the outside. And, you know, sometimes people at Christmas, they 
you know, they try to be happy. They try to be cheerful. Uh, you know, they put on the best face that they can. But it just so happened that this Christmas Eve of that particular year, we were locked down early for uh, some skirmishes between the gangs. And I remember our unit. It was I was in a cell, B, 4, 438. And this cell was like several tiers high, small windows. You could hardly see out. I could reach out, and I could almost, with my hands, touch both sides of the wall. I could reach up and put my hand on the ceiling with my palm flat. That's how small these cells were. And it was about... 8.30 when we got locked down, and normally in a prison, there's a lot of chatter, there's a lot of banter going back and forth, but this particular night, it was like dead silent. I mean, dead silent. You couldn't even hear a whisper. Usually, you know, people have their radios with their makeshift speakers, and everything's, you know, blaring and talking back and forth, but you could just you know, I, I would say you could feel the sadness of a hundred years in that prison of, you know, the people that were not only there then, but the people that were there before. And right. I sat there in silence and I don't know. I don't even know really, really how, how to explain it, but about nine o'clock, these people uh, were walking by one by one, and all you could hear is a very muted thank you or God bless you or Merry Christmas. And what was happening uh, was that some people from the Salvation Army had come, and they had brought uh, a very small white plastic cup that said Salvation Army on it, And it had a pair of socks in it, it had a candy cane, and it had some hard candy. And I set set this cup on my locker, and I remember just looking at it, perhaps not looking at it, but looking through it, and just wondering to myself, you know, what was really happening? How, how, How is this even possible? Uh, in America, because I believe that the drug war is so disastrous and uh, such a failed endeavor. Perhaps, you know, history will rewrite it as one of our greatest uh, mistakes. And, you know, I hope that's true in the near future. There's so many people in prison this year. You know, there's over a million nonviolent people. Everybody knows the statistics. You know, I I don't want to repeat those. But what what I would like to express is that that we take some time, even if it's just a minute or two, and just jot, you know, a couple notes to somebody in prison, try to perhaps help uh, the people that Mindy mentioned, you know, that, that are facing sentences right now, and do something positive. Make sure that we're all registered to vote. Vote where it's appropriate in your particular state, and you know, we we just have to do the best we can. We, you know, go day by day. Really, for myself, I, I try to put everything behind me. I, I try to move forward. 
But no matter what I do, even though that I've been released now almost five years, I have recurring dreams, basically nightmares. You know, something like uh, yesterday I saw people being handcuffed on the street, and I saw the police in Los Angeles on Wilshire Boulevard holding a bag of marijuana. And and I thought to myself, this is it. This is just an incredible thing that the country's doing. Such a waste of money, such a waste of time and effort. Because so many of these people are just the best people in the world. You'd love to have them for your neighbor, but that's not happening because they're in prison. And so I would just, you know, wish everybody this year, you know, the best of uh, times for to have a Merry Christmas and, and, and do something, like I said, write a letter, Register to vote, <laughs> do, do something, yes. write your senator, write your congressman, you know, but just don't sit still on this, you know, and wait for somebody else to do it. We have to be proactive ourselves. And, um, you know, I don't want to be commercial about this, but one thing that I'm doing, uh, I'm living in Los Angeles. I have a gene line that's coming out very shortly. The name of the gene line is cartel blue and we're traded on the stock market under crt but that's not the important thing the important thing is we have a division of cartel blue and i've named it evolution of consciousness eoc and i have a gene with a small marijuana leaf on the back pocket and i have a hang tag and um we're donating uh, the profits from this particular gene uh, to the different groups that are fighting to end the war on drugs. And so I'm not forgetting this 20 years. I, I'm trying to move forward. No, I'm trying to do something positive. That's awesome. Uh, I always, my, my biggest pet peeve is, you know, I feel like people should be given back to our prisoners. And for you to be in prison and then get out and have a business and donate, you know, part of your profits back to prisoners. That is a very beautiful thing. And um, well, I really look up to you yeah. for that, for all your sacrifices, too. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it, it, it's crazy, even though that I've been out this long. Uh, it's 926 here in Los Angeles, and I've received calls from federal prisons this morning already. Um, wow. And, you know, just from what, people um, that I, you know, one person in particular that I, I, you know, I would like to mention is a wonderful person. His name is Nick Garcia. He's got about a year to go. Uh, he served 27 years. Uh, he's in a federal prison in Texas. Uh, and he was arrested for uh, uh, a semi, well, actually two semi trucks full of marijuana in Michigan. And I thought, all this time that he served, what a waste, you know, for everybody concerned, his family, his friends, his, you know, his wife, his daughter's sons, everybody's concerned. So, you know, we're fighting an, uh, an uphill battle, but it's, it, it's real close. I feel that it's real close. And, uh, you know, if we keep our nose to the grindstone and we all try to do something, we're going to actually win this war. For sure, for sure, David. Uh, do you have any special Christmas plans this year? Well, uh, 
because of uh, because of my gene company, I work around the clock. My wife, I have a wonderful wife, uh, and uh, but she left yesterday for Texas to be with her family, and uh, I'm hoping to leave on Tuesday or Wednesday for for Texas, for Lubbock, Texas, and then I'll be back on on Sunday, back to work, and you know it's just I uh, basically I get no rest because. Uh, you know, the company demands so much of my time right now. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm going to go down there uh, to Texas and, uh, you know, try to have a good time. But, uh, I, you know, I just remember, I remember people every day and I just wish everybody the best. And, and that's my Christmas plan this year. That's nice. That's nice. Um, David, David, I just want to let David, you know. David, your testimony your testimony is heartfelt. I can hear you choking up, and that's the way we all feel, all of us on this program and all of us are advocates for ending the war on drugs and no people are languishing in prison. So God bless yeah. you, and thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Uh, you're welcome, and uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. And, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, David, you're you're welcome to stay on the line too. We have Eugene uh, Craig Cecil who's going to be calling in any second from from prison, and then we have some more amazing guests after you. So don't feel like you have to hang up. You can you can stay on the line if you want. And listen to the whole sh- the whole show. It's going to be awesome. Um, but next okay, we got Randy you. Lanier. You're you're welcome, David. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for all your uh-huh. sacrifices. Um, next um, we got Randy you. Lanier. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, next, um, David, we've got Randy Lanier. I don't know. If, um, oh, there goes Craig. So I'm going to answer Craig's call and then we're going to go to Randy. Um, hold on one moment. Eugene, you want to talk to the guests while I answer Craig? I, I will. I will. Uh, David and Randy are two of my best friends, and uh, Randy was a co-defendant. Uh, and uh, like all of us who get out of prison, we have to work to survive, and uh, uh, we're tr- we're doing it in a legitimate way. And we're good members of the community. I just want to say that. But we're all working. We're advocates because we've suffered from the prison system. Good morning, Craig. How are you? we know friends who suffer. Good. That's good. Good morning, um, Craig. This morning, Craig. Good morning, yeah. Gene. You heard about our good news from the president. Yeah, oh. Billy, Billy Deacle got out. Billy Deacle got out. Yeah. Like, with, without parole, he got out. That's wonderful. You're going to get out. I got your package, and I got it two days ago, two days ago, and I, you will see light on it, I promise you. Excellent, excellent. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. But the good we thing will, is, is... We will the, get uh, going on it, I promise you. We will get going on it. Thank you, thank you. I'm, you can't imagine, or you, you can't imagine how, how anxious I am. But four of the commutees were uh, marijuana people. Yeah, right. Carol Cundiff, yes. uh, Billy wow. Deckel, Edward Betts, which and um, was, um, I knew him. Pardon? It was... Um, Mr. Betts? It was uh, a prisoner that Mindy always advocates for quite a bit. Um, so we also... Craig, today is a show for we have not just you calling in, but we have a whole bunch of recently released POWs calling in. 
um, that, that were just released this year. So this is going to be a Christmas show um, about what what people are doing this year for Christmas. And we know what you're doing this year for Christmas because you're in prison. But do you want to elaborate a little bit on Christmas in prison? Well, Christmas in prison, uh, it's actually a fairly solemn day in a prison. It's really not a ceremonial day as much as it's a solemn day. Solemn day. Because people are missing their families and people are kind of keeping each other at arm's length because, you know, people's emotions are raw and, you know, they're they're talking to their families, they're missing their families, they're uh, feeling frustrated by, you know, not being able to be there for their families. And so Christmas ends up being a solemn day in prison where everybody, you know, enjoys the uh, a filling lunch that we get. But uh, outside of that, it, it's it's fairly quiet, fairly you know, non-interactive on on Christmas. Um. Well, what about like? Because I can imagine like you're sitting there in prison and nobody has their families, and no, I'm sure there's no cheer or no joy behind the scenes and no decoration. Is there a Christmas tree? No, there's. There's there's no Christmas tree that I've seen throughout the whole prison. I heard there might be one in the visiting room, but <laughs> I haven't seen one. There's no lights, no garland, no, you know, none of the standard Christmas fare is here. Especially no Santa Claus, I guess. <laughs> wow. Um, so Charles Cundiff is one of the prisoners. Chad Latham is one of the prisoners. Also, um, Mindy Mindy advocates for Chad Latham, and he was given clem- clemency as well. And Charles Cundiff, um, this is a man who has been in prison since the 80s. In fact, Charles, I think, is one of our um, prisoners who was basically forgotten about. And for 10 years, he did not get one single um, anything from the community out there or anything like that. In fact, um, he I had heard that he had written down on a, his application to adopt a prisoner that he was even having to find his shoes in the trash can um, because he didn't have money to buy shoes in prison. So, you know, for him to get out, it's just absolutely amazing. And um, I was hoping to hear your name on there, Craig, but maybe the next round of uh, commutations that the president will allow, will, you'll be on that list, I hope. Well, what, what we have is is I go over all the lists from the president and try to look at the uh, – from what I can find in the published uh, – legal decisions, I try to go through these people's cases and see what the common thread is, see what the president's logic is in in commuting these people, and uh, especially not others. And one thing that they seem to universally have in common with very few exceptions, virtually all of them have two prior convictions, and therefore the three strikes mandatory uh, minimum life sentence for drugs. That's the the lion's share of the life uh, sentence the inmates is they had two prior convictions, so therefore, you know, under the three strikes law, they, of course, had a life sentence. He's also commuted the sentences of people that had one prior conviction, which gives them a a 20-year mandatory minimum or a 262-month career offender guideline as a minimum. But that that is the lion's share of... uh, of the commutations. Now, granted, also, most of the commutations, um, I didn't count exactly, but I I would have to reckon uh, that more than 60 or 70 of them are for crack uh, uh, offenders. So there's obviously a, 
a leaning towards, you know, the um, to fight against our, our country's crack laws, which tend to be really over the top. Marijuana is over the top, but, but crack actually is, is okay. uh, somewhat worse than uh, marijuana. Wow. On a daily basis. Right, you know, when you, when you, Greg, when you talk about holidays, I remember after I'd been down about 15 years, I was in a, in a holding cell in the shoe. It was cold, dank. I could touch both walls with my hands. It was miserable. I had my Bible out and I was praying. I said, God, give me something. This can't go on. Tell me something. And my Bible fell from my hands and it opened up to Acts, the book of Acts. And all I could tell you was, I said, Lord, if that's a sign, if you're telling me i got to suffer for who knows how much like Acts did, like in the book of Acts, and then a new life would come, I said, maybe that's what it's all Let's about. Call it from a federal prison. And it did transpire. So, uh, it, you know, everybody, my friends like yourself are in prison. It's dank and dark. And it looks like there's no end, but there is an end, and you will be out. That's a promise. I do have that hope, and uh, and I mean I can't thank you and uh, the others uh, any more that you know you brought me that hope. I was that person that spent really ten years with less than four pieces of mail per year. I mean I just. I didn't hear from my family, you know, except for my children. I, I, and those I, I spoke to on the phone. And uh, really, my friends had forgotten me. Many of them I wrote to and just didn't hear back from. So I know that feeling of what it's like to be down, you know, five years, and, and people just forget about you. You just, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And that's what happens to a lot of people here. So they're frustrated when they try to reach out to their families and friends, and they they just don't hear anything back. And it's frustrating to be without any mail at at mail call. I'm sure you know that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep you you in mind and prayer, Craig. And uh, we're interviewing people like yourself. To get out, uh, we're going to have an hour-long interview with George Buffarano, who's enjoying his first Christmas out, and uh, my co-defendant Randy Lanier, and uh, we had another David Rhodes, another good friend who spent 20 years, 13 and 11 work. Uh, it's a fraternity of ex-cons, and. Uh, the good ones, and the, the, there there are so many, and it's such a waste of time and energy, and it's so against all moral fiber that we want people like yourself. But you're not forgotten. And you thank, know that you're not forgotten. Thank you, and and please uh, express to those people that. The support that you give me, so many other people rely on. There, there's people standing not far from me that 
they know who I'm on the phone to, and they, they know I'm here every week. They help me reserve the phone at a particular time. Oh, that is so nice. <laughs> that is so the, nice. Uh, <laughs> and that just you gives them hope. You tell them we thank them. We thank them. We thank these people. Tell them that. And yeah, tell them we're, sure. we're in their corner. We're fighting for them. <laughs> okay. Are they going to make you in the phone? <laughs> um, are they going to make you guys work on Christmas? No, no, we actually get Christmas Day off, but believe it or not, <laughs> uh, in order to make up for our day off for Christmas from the factory, last week they made us work double shifts. We had to work from 7.15 in the morning till 10.30 at night to make up for being off on Christmas and a half a day on Christmas Eve and New Year's Day. <laughs> so, oh, boy. <laughs> They are relentless. They're going to make us work no matter what, but they they had to limit themselves to when they could have officers there to supervise us. (laughs) Wow. Um, Any any special meals coming up up for the holidays, Craig? Yes. uh, As you well know, meals aren't what they were. We don't get the two Cornish ends anymore, but uh, we should get an ample. This call is from a federal prison. I think they are going to have one Cornish hen this Christmas, and uh, and some trimmings okay. and all that. So it's going to be a it's going to be a good meal. It's going to be way better than the the usual meal. Well, I can't like wait I, to hear how good it was in the next call next week. <laughs> <laughs> but like I say, you you guys bring hope not only to me but so many people around me, and to Gene and to Randy and to so many others, George for reaching back to us prisoners makes such a difference. Because so many prisoners leave, the vast majority of prisoners leave prison making all kinds of promises of what they'll do for people. You know, I'll contact this person for you. I'll do this. I'll do that. And you never hear from them again. <laughs> but for Gene and, uh, and Randy and George and, and others to reach back is, is really um, a bright light for us. It, it really gives people so much hope and gives us so much hope in the others around us. So I I can't thank you know you and that bunch enough, and I hope you you know please pass on my thanks to to all of them. Will do. Thank you for all you're doing. Also, thank you for these weekly calls that you give get at such great risk and expense to you. Thank thank you so much, Greg. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'll be here. I'll be here. And uh, because just, just shining the light on us has made such a difference already. Last night I listened to the uh, Democratic debate, and one of the subjects of the debate was, "What are you going to do with, you know, the overpopulation of America's prisons?" And they all had, you know, at least some plan. But but that tells me that you guys are are getting it done because of you folks, uh, our advocates. We have, you know, the political people looking at the prisoners and at the prisons and at the at the punitive drug laws that are out there. There was a big presentation by, I think it was Bernie Sanders last night, that complained about people being in prison for marijuana. And his uh, suggestion was, is why is marijuana even illegal? And uh, it, you are mm-hmm. the people that, you know, brought that to the forefront so they even looked at it. And I I can't thank you much enough for that because it's been it's been wrong for a very very long time, but you people have forced them to look at it, and uh, that's going to make all the difference. 
I'll give, give a commercial. We're not political, but I haven't heard any of the Republicans talk about any relief, but I have heard the Democrats. Hillary Clinton is talking about making it, taking it from being a, a, a level one drug. So everybody that I'm hearing on the Democratic side wish to make big changes for us. Yes, uh, there are some Republicans backing change, you know, uh, especially as it relates to marijuana. Um, yeah, like Grand Paul. Yeah, but I, I don't know if they'll get. I don't know if they get elected. It looks like the forerunner on it. I don't know what he wants. Uh, you know what I'm uh, talking he, about. Yep, and uh, he's an anti-marijuana guy, so <laughs> he's he's not our champion. But you, you've heard the phone beep, so we I think we know what that means. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Thank- Merry Christmas to you. And Mer- Merry Christmas to Jane to everybody. Uh, thank you for thank you for remembering me and uh, the others of us in here. Thank you, thank you so much. It, it makes all the difference to me. Thank you again. I'll say a prayer at midnight mass on Sunday, Christmas Eve for you, Greg. Thank you, thank you. I've missed thank those you, midnight masses. <laughs> thank you, Greg. So have a great Christmas. Thank you for thank your you, sacrifices. Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope you get to talk to your daughter and spend time with her next year on Christmas. All right, listeners, that was Craig Cecil um, serving his 13th year of a life sentence in a federal prison um, who is going to go without his family this year because marijuana is so federally illegal. Um, Craig has has already sacrificed his son to um, this war, and now his his daughter just sits at home and waits for her dad, Um, hasn't had her dad in her life for 13 years, so... If you do feel any type of compel any type of um, compelling feelings after hearing Craig, um, please step up. Um, he wants a letter. Send Craig a letter. Um, all you have to do is, is Google Craig Cecil or go to the BOP, and you can find his address there. Um, it's Christmas, and our plant prisoners are in there without Christmas letters. Some of them have them, some of them don't. So, if you do feel um, compelled for our prisoners, please send them a Christmas card. Um, Eugene, we had Randy Lanier, and Randy Lanier um, is with business partner, and Randy is at work this morning. Um, he's been out of prison. This is his first Christmas, and he has been out of prison um, now for a while, for, the, for, for about six or seven months now. And Randy's got a job, and he called in on his break at work in order to do our radio show interview, and he called in late. And when he called back in, we were doing Craig's interview. So since he's dropped off, I'm assuming he has to go back to work. Uh, but the lines are open for Randy to call in, call back if he if he can get another couple seconds to let us know how his Christmas is going to go this year. We would love to hear from him, Randy. Um, but we don't want to forget about you on such an important show. So um, next we're going to go to Jeff Mazansky. Uh, Jeff Mazansky, I believe, served 19 years of a life sentence and was freed just a couple months ago in uh out of uh Missouri and it's because the laws changed. And so now after nineteen years, Jeff gets to be home with his family. So I'm gonna put Jeff on the line right now and find out what what he's gonna do this Christmas. Good morning, Jeff. Welcome to Good morning, how are you doing? Good morning. <laughs> um how are you? And how is how is um, Freedom do- going? Oh Freedom's great. It it it's uh, wonderful. You know, I was listening to uh, the last gentleman talk, and uh, he made so many good points. It's just unbelievable. 
Um, we, we've got you know, so many people that, risked, that are getting out. He risked, he risked going on lockdown every every week to call into our show to get his voice heard. Yes, I believe that. I've been there and done that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I was in prison for 22 years. And I was doing a life without. Wow. In other words, they I was never supposed to get out. But because of the people here that got together, sent in letters, signed petitions, and believe it or not, our representatives who are Republican put together some letters that went to our governor. Um, they actually tried to pass a bill to get me out. Uh, Shaman Dogan, representative here in Missouri, he was behind that. And uh, I can't ever thank him enough because it's because of his help and everybody else around the country and the world. That's the reason I'm out here right now. And I, I really wish that the other guys that are getting out and women would get together and have their voices heard. They, they really need to get out there and let people know what's going on. Um, there's too many people that are getting out and forgetting their friends that are leaving behind. And there's a lot of good people in there that need to come out. They don't belong in prison, not for a plant. Well, Jeff, we hey, have Eugene Jeff. Fisher. He's, he's the host of the show Jeff, here. He's good one morning of the hosts. to you. He fights for all of his friends. This is morning. Eugene. I, I did 25 years, my brother. I know you, I know the feeling you have. Uh, this will be your first Christmas free? Yes, it is. Congratulations, man. I, I can't tell you how happy that makes me and others. We are, there's a group of advocates and we're working. And I, I said earlier, uh, we, we can't stop. It looks like we might maybe turn in the corner, but this is the time to even give it more energy because there are people still suffering behind bars, and until every single one of those plant prisoners is out, it's a, it's a struggle we have to keep in, keep keep at. Uh, so uh, join us. We invite you to join us as the voices of the war. Join us to help those people behind, left behind. Well, believe me, I'm out here speaking and talking. Every any place and anywhere I can go to do it, uh, as long as I can afford to do it, I'm gonna be there doing it because our brothers and sisters need help. They don't belong in prison. Um, we do need to change these laws, and I'm just hoping and, and wishing that some of these states that have it so-called legal in their state, medically and or recreational, help some of these other states that ain't legal yet. Because if we can get in the majority of states become legal one way or the other, medically or recreational, then we can force a change in the federal government. And I I just feel that's what we're going to have to do because they're not going to do it on their own. They're making too much money off of keeping people in prison and arresting people. We, we believe, with you, Jeff, we believe you got to, we got to step up to the plate on the federal basis too. It's, I think there are 26 states now that have it legal medically or recreational, that's half of the country. And my state of Florida, for example, is a good example. We lost last year in, the, in a referendum. 57% wanted it. We needed 60%. Well, we're getting it back on the ballot this year, and that's what we got to do. Persistence. That's what wins the game. Persistence. we got to keep pushing, just like you said. Keep talking. Keep advocating and working. It's that's exactly right. We got we got to educate the people. I mean, think about it. How many years has our public been told lies by the government? 
just to make it illegal and keep it illegal. Uh, Couldn't be hard to turn that corner because people used to believe in government. Fortunately, now the truth is out and they're learning of all the medical uses for cannabis, for recreational. It's not near as bad as what they thought it was. I just, I don't know how they ever come across it in the first place. But uh, the tide is changing. And if we put it in high gear now, we can get the job done. But it, it has to be done. And we're the ones that have to do it. So people are going to have to get up their butts and actually do something. Instead of just listening or just typing on their computers or whatever they're doing, they need to actually get out there and help because that's the only way it's going to happen. Uh, so, um, Jeff, I noticed, I saw on Facebook that you traveled um, to California, was it, to the High Times Cup, and you you were advocating for people on a panel. How did that How did that go? Uh, I thought the panel went real well. Um, we got some points across. Uh, people got educated, and, and I'm going to keep doing it wherever I can. And um, it, it's fantastic to where our country is going and uh, the business itself uh, they've come so far think about it I've been locked up for 22 years been out since September and I've seen so much of where our business has gone it it just amazes me it's fantastic we need to keep it up there's room for everybody across the United States to get in on this industry and make a dollar turn the corner give everybody the medicine they need to give we can save lives um, and that's, Jeff, it's, that's what it's all about. It was 22 years you spent, 22 Christmases in, in prison. 22, right? Is that what you said, I think? I, I thought it was 19, but 22. And now this, this would, you're free this, this would have been my Yeah, this would have been my 22nd year coming up this Christmas. I, I actually um, got arrested in December, and this would make 22. How are you going to celebrate your Christmas this year? I'm going to have my grandkids, my great-grandkids, my family around. I'm going to go visit. Uh, Christmas Day, I actually plan on leaving to go to Chicago to see my side of the family up there because i got a lot of family in Chicago and Indiana. So I'm going to get around and try to see as much family as I can. Uh, And by the way, they're all behind us. They're all trying to help get this legal so nobody else has to get locked up. Uh, People out there. We need to write these guys that are in prison. They're lonely. This time of year is the worst time of year to be in prison. All you think about is family and friends. And unfortunately, most of the friends fade away after a few years. Family is always with you. You treat them right. They always treat you right, of course. Uh, Jeff, did you hear about um, the new prisoners that Obama is granted clemency to, the three that were plant prisoners? Yes, I have, and it's it's great, but, you know, he needs to go a lot further. He needs to get them all he out. Does. He does. And he I, does. Yes. I, I commend but, him for what he's doing on that as far as releasing prisoners, but he needs to release more. Um, think of the drain on the economy that is. It, it just doesn't make sense. It, for me, it was $57.70 a day for three months short of 22 years to keep me in prison. Before that, I had two jobs, work steady, pay taxes in. Since I was locked up, all it's done is cost the taxpayers money. It doesn't make sense to me. It never has made sense. And what's even really worse, when I'm sitting in there 
and I'm watching these guys that are going out for violent crimes, like in some cases murder, uh, rape, thefts. They're walking in and out, and I was stuck in there forever. As far as they had in their in their paperwork, I was scheduled to die in prison for marijuana when all these other people were walking in and out, some of them two and three times on the same type of charges. It just makes me wonder where the American people let our government go and why everything was turned upside down. It hurts, Jeff. It it hurts. Um, But you know what I think? I feel like, you know, we've gotten, you know, the can-do, the human solution, um, our group, Voices of the Cannabis War, um, we've got Stephanie Landis' prison outreach um, commissary drive that she's doing, and we've got so much going on that I feel like all the all the different groups are really starting to get their voices across. Um, just past our, 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 our little marijuana community here, I feel like people are outside our community are starting to understand what we've been talking about for so long. So I do have I do have a lot of a lot of faith in the groups that have been established, POW 420, I know you're, you're very familiar with them, but I feel like, you know, with all of our voices combined, I do feel like we are going to change soon and our people will be home soon, for hopefully by next Christmas. Oh, that, that'd be so great. That'd be a Christmas present for the whole country. But, it would, uh, you know, sure. Yeah, but, you know, everybody's got to work together. We can't we can't dicker amongst each other. We we got a common goal. You know, that is... It's to get this legalized. It's to get our people home, our, our sisters and brothers that need to come out of prison. Uh, and, and that's the main fight, the main cause. And everything else needs to lay to the side, uh, in my opinion. If we work together, we can get it done. You know what's that say? We the people. Well, we the people are demanding change. Um, we have um, Irma Alred that's coming on after you. Um, and she said, I think she, she spent 19 years in prison. Um, have you had a chance to communicate with her about um, about her to meet her or anything like that? No, I have not. Uh, oh, she's she's but, an amazing sure woman. Well, she, she can she yes, get a hold of me on on Facebook or any <laughs> other way. Uh, um, my telephone number and my email is is I believe on my page if I'm not mistaken, and she's okay. sure welcome to call because. Uh, I'm with getting with anybody that can help get this war over with. We've ended so many wars, supposedly, except this one. And this is a war that our government is putting against its own people. Well, Jeff, what we're trying to do with this radio show is bring the voices to life so that people can put put names and um, voices to names and be able, hopefully, we're going to use this show in the future to help affect Congress. Um, our group wants to change the war, um, and everybody tells me if you want to change it, if you want to change stuff, you have to affect Congress. So hopefully um, as we get vows, VOW, Voices of, of War, that's what we're trying to collect is people to sign up saying that they take the vow and that they're going to honor our plant prisoners, fight for them, and um, advocate for them. And I feel like as soon as we have, you know, hundreds and thousands of vows, we should be able to end the war. So, so far we have about 100 vows. And we're going to um, try to make an online way where we can publish our vow online so people can take the vow online. And then from there, we'd be able to send emails and things like that to tell people what they can do to help end the war. So um, hopefully our contribution to the end of the war 
will help. That's, that that'd be great. And uh, I tell you what, there's no way I'm going to stop. Um, they need help. Country needs help, and that's the only way we're going to be able to help them is to speak out, help each other. For sure, for sure, Jeff. Um, is there anything that you would like to say possibly to any of the prisoners? If you had a voice and you could let all of them hear what you have to say, is there anything you would say to the prisoners that are still there to give them inspiration? Yes, I would. I'd, I'd tell them to keep their heads up, keep their hope up. Anything's possible. Look at me. I'm out here. We're fighting for you. We're going to keep fighting for you. We're going to get you out of there one way or another. It's It just has to happen. I love you all, man. I it miss you all. Take care. Thank you, thank, thank you, Jeff, for that. Um, is there anything you'd like to say um, to our listeners about Christmas this year, and about um, about anything at all before we end the interview? Uh, yes, I would like to uh, wish everybody a Merry Christmas. It's uh, it's going to be a great one for me. I hope it's a great one for them, and I just uh, hope and pray that uh, they don't forget about our brothers and sisters behind bars. They need Christmas, too. Um, it's the worst time of year for them. Because um, you, you always want to be home with your family, and they can't. Praying that we change that, and I know it's going to take all of you to do that. Thank you, and have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Jeff. We love you, and we cherish every last year you spent in prison and honor your sacrifices. You are a hero to us, and this Christmas will be, you'll be in our thoughts and um, your inspiration because it keeps us all fighting for the rest of them to see you get out and to see what you're doing. It just makes all the rest of us want to have to fight harder in prison so that um, our lifers don't have to die there, basically. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. And I appreciate everybody and everything they've done for me. Um, we just now have to work on the others. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas again. Thank, thank you. you. Merry we Christmas. Love you. love you too. All right, you guys, that was Jeff Mazansky, who served 22 years of his life sentence in prison for our plant. Um, and he is so, it so touches my heart so much to see him out here fighting for all the rest of them. He, I've seen him timber. It was only in December, September, October, December, three, four months. He's been traveling. He's holding signs. He has T-shirts for our prisoners. Like, it's just so amazing to see. Um, his voice is so strong because he was been Pooped up and locked up behind bars and taken from him for so long. Um, but here he is and ready, ready. Say, end this. Nobody should have to go through this anymore. And we just honor that so much. Um, so now we're waiting as we're waiting for Irma to call in, and we're going to start George Monterano's interview at about ten fifteen. Um, we are going to um, maybe pull Tom on the line and find out what's going on in Northern California while we wait for Irma to call. Good morning, Tom. What's what's the news up in Northern California in the human solution with you guys today? Oh, okay. Oh, you brought me in a little early. Um, I know it. I know it. We're just trying to kill some time while we wait for our other, our other guests. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, uh, last week we had of course, the Stenhouses had their big win, another win against Tehama County. Uh, you all know that uh, 
they brought a lawsuit, if you remember, against Tehama County. Uh, they won their case uh, almost three years ago, and then they closed their bank accounts, took their home in Sacramento. They've been fighting on a lawsuit, an injunction. And they continue to win. And Judge McLean uh, Thursday admitted that they had no probable cause to for any criminal charges. First place, they're returning their uh, forty thousand dollars interest. So uh, a lot of times when we come from court support, we have positive uh, uh, results with the Spent Alvarez. Uh We had a meeting here last night with them, uh, congratulating. And working on their case, also Alex Lyons spent 40 days in jail, and he's out now, ready to go. And court support is so important for many reasons. It's not just to support a defendant, advocate. It's also to bear witness again to the injustices that go on in these courtrooms. Uh, also, it gets cases. You, meet, you connect with the right people. And I always stress court support. Get hooked on court support. Uh, we have a, a petition gathering going with CCHI at NorCal now. Uh, it's really moving along. And I want to thank CTHI for sponsoring these historical radio shows. And uh, Lance Stenhouse uh, was going to come on and talk this morning about his case. Uh, it's, 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 it's historical. And Curtis Keaton was also here last night. If you know about his case, too, uh, he had a historical all-star team in town over three years ago. It's also taking them on, on a lawsuit and injunction. Now, this is what you folks want to do when you're filing your, your 995 motions. Uh, you also come with civil on an injunction lawsuit. <clears throat> Most all these BS cases are injunctions, and they're actually breaking the law. Uh, Donna says <clears throat> they're banning the badges. So come join us. The Human Solution International dot org, CCHI twenty sixteen dot org. Help us be the solution. Our goal and vision has always been to deschedule cannabis, not reschedule through prohibition, free all of POWs. No one should be going to jail for our sacred plant. I want to thank you all for another great show and don't forget to breathe. Thank you, Kristen, Eugene, all the folks on the front line, Becca, and you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. I just have a quick question for you. You guys are having a fundraiser up there for Benno soon? Yes, we do. And, of course, you know that every month for almost, I don't know, a couple years since the Human Solution took on the responsibility uh, with Pat, the Bales Fund woman, she's a she's a go getter. She comes to our function, functions also and supports the Benos and also Trevor Elkhorn. And when we talk about defendants, they have kids. We come harder for our kids. I always say it, if you don't stand, stand for your kids. 
almost none of these kids. I have a 26-year-old granddaughter, Alex, at Ryan's age. I don't want her going to jail for our plant. This is why we stand more for our kids than ourselves. That's old guys. Uh, so we every month we've had a fundraiser every month for the Bennos. And when we talk about James Bennos, don't forget his two nice boys, uh, Jacob and Logan. And they're always there, and they come and, and they also support other defendants, and they put their time in. So we've raised the $500 bail every month for several months now, and we'll continue to support the Bennos. And I want to thank them also. James for all he does for patience and support. Yeah, so uh, we have a GoFundMe now, right now for the Benos. James just posted that they have over $500 in the account. If you can, throw five bucks in, ten, whatever you can uh, for the Benos. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and uh, listen, uh, speaking of the Benos, uh, I've got my calendar here. Uh, I forget to do this. Uh, the Bengals have uh, their, uh, it's actually a, sec- a second uh, settlement conference. Uh, of course, we know in settlement conference, most of the time nothing gets settled, uh, but we keep chipping away. Uh, the Bengals have a new attorney, another one, uh, uh, Michelle Boyd. Uh, we think we like her. Let's hope that she uh can do something more to free the Benos. Uh, we know that these cases with the collectives, they don't respect our 215, 420, our state rights. Uh, we must stand strong uh, and protect the right. So, okay, well, right. thank you again. Uh, thank you. Uh, also, uh, Alex Lyons, let me, let me uh, I'm a little unprepared, but Alex Lyons, uh, I waived his rights to waive um, at arraignment on straight past prelim, right straight to arraignment and on to trial. Uh, when you do this, uh, you you catch the uh, the bandits, <laughs> the you catch the DA with his pants down because they have so many cases uh, they can't even hardly keep up. Uh, so when you throw you start throwing the injunctions, the lawsuit. You start subpoenaing uh, the complainants, all the cops. And you start throwing everything at them, all the 995 dismissal motions. Uh, right at time now, we back them down right here because you counties become unvoked. So, folks, when you take when you take them on to trial, think about it. Only 5% of people take them to trial. If 10% would take them to trial, you will break them. They cannot, they cannot afford. Think about it, what it costs millions to take a defendant on the trial. So our mindset uh, with our defendants is we do not plea bargain. Uh, mindset is you either dismiss on a 9-5 dismiss motion or we're taking you on to trial. Uh, that's our mindset. And uh, so... Uh, I want to thank you. Uh, I think that. Uh, okay, Tom. We want to thank you. We got to. We got to move on. We've got another caller coming in. George Maturano is coming okay. in, and thank you for your time okay. and your efforts. Uh, thank you. Merry, thank you. Merry Christmas to you. 
You're tuned. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to all of you. Thank you, Eugene. Christian. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Um, so that was Tom Corby, uh, Human Solution Chapter Coordinator for the northern part of California. Tom, um, Tom was based in charges at one point, and uh, he needed court support. And when he joined the Human Solution, he offers tons and tons of outreach towards our POWs. And there's a lot of cases, a lot of, a lot of war going on in northern California that Tom helped coordinate in order to effort to end the war. And while we wait for George to call in, We've got a caller by the name of Dennis Farrell who would like to talk. Um, we're going to bring him on for just a few minutes while we wait for George. Uh, good morning, Dennis. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, thanks. How are y'all? Uh, we're hanging in there. We're just trying to bring some, some uh, voices to Canada for. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, uh, for guys like Tom Corby and so many names I could sit here and name that uh, – I'm I'm just basically a, a rookie or a virgin at this, as only a couple of months into it. So, and, <clears throat> excuse me, I just can't believe what they think they can do. And it's it's great that we have uh, some people fighting. You know, um, what's her name? Uh, Puma Savan, I think is how you Puma Savan. How you say her last name? And her husband, you know, and uh, there's so many people that are wrong, and it's just it's incredible. You have so many. The more the stand up, the better. So. You know, I'm just blessed to be part so, of it. So you just recently started advocating for um, for the war? Well, yeah. I mean, well, yes. Basically, I've been I've been living in California for years. I am known uh, by the police. I have a Medican card. I've been on TV, but I didn't really start advocating and fighting for our freedoms until recently as far as so as far as full on into it and helping in any way that I can you know um, I've, I've helped sign people to attorneys and and now uh, right now I, I'm just uh, support for anybody else. well I want to welcome you uh, we have a really really bad connection here um, it sounds like the wind might be blowing in your phone um, but I want to um, welcome you to our side of things and welcome you if there's anything um, that you need from us to help you advocate for our people please let us know or if there's any stories you want to share um, you are more than welcome to come on to our show um, we love new advocates for this because we need as many people out there as possible well um, there, I actually do have a, a one that you're going to want to hear if, if, if I may interrupt and I'm sorry I was in Reading helping and um, I have brand all but brand new tires on my truck and one night I came out the next morning to my truck and somebody had, uh, after I was helping in Reading, somebody had let 22 pounds of air out of all four of my tires. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Seriously, brand spanking new, uh, all but brand spanking new, never had a problem with them. And I'm glad I noticed it because they were low enough to actually kill me if I was on the freeway. 22 pounds wow. out of a 44 pound, out of 44 pounds. Yeah, they were let to actually half all four of them. Wow. So that's how, that's how well, they do it in Reading. Um, well, Dennis, I'm going to let you go because we have George Monterano on the line. He served sure, 33 sure. years in prison for our plant. He was just recently released. Wow. Um, but wow. I want to – yes, I know. We're, we, we're excited. Thank but you I for taking my call. You. Of course. And we'll Thank you. you Thank and we'll, you. We'll talk I'm soon. honored. Thank you very much. Thank Merry you. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, guys. Guys, that was Dennis Farrell. He is a new advocate to our war, and he will be out there fighting for our prisoners and for our defendants. 
Um, what, um, thank you, Dennis. Um, our prisoners need you. That's awesome. Next, um, Eugene is going to lead into George Monterano's interview. Um, for our listeners, George Monterano spent 33 years in prison for the plant and was just recently released. Um, so we're going to unmute George's microphone, if I can here. Computers have been going down throughout this whole show, by the way, people. Um, so good morning, George. How are you? Hey, good morning, sweetheart. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Welcome welcome to um, Freedom. Ah, and how? <laughs> George, good morning. Um, good morning. Don't call me sweetheart, though. Hey, uh, how you doing there? How you doing, comrade? Okay. George, we're so happy to have you out with us, to have you free. It's a, a an electric feeling that runs through our community. The fact that George Monterano is free. George, give us give us some idea of well uh, what happened what happens in holidays in prison and how you feeling about this holiday. Well, let me first start about saying where I am uh, presently located. I am sitting in a treehouse in uh, Gulfport, Florida. It was actually a treehouse made for my great niece and nephew. So I'm sitting in their treehouse doing this interview. And it's a pretty treehouse. Cool. That's awesome. And, and I bet it feels what, good. What is the view? Give us an idea of your view. Give us an idea of your view. I'm looking uh, over other people's yards, and there's just abundance of trees. And next, right next door is an individual, as I don't know. He raises these exotic birds and... Uh, for some people know, but many don't know. I sleep outside, and uh, I got uh, I got an air view of the birds early this morning. <laughs> uh, they were screeching, and uh, and I just put a smile to my face. Uh, since my release, uh, this tomorrow will be eleven weeks, and since my release, I only slept inside twice. I sleep outdoors. The reason I sleep outdoors, because uh, for all them years, over three decades in prison. Uh, my uh, my soul, my character wouldn't agree when they slammed them steel doors on me. I always uh, gritted my teeth at it. So now that I'm out, I basically I had no intentions of sleeping outside. Uh, I just I just love it everywhere I go. If I come and visit you guys, uh, uh, wherever I bring my sleeping bag, mm. and uh, I just it's just it's just so real, and I'm up. Uh, I'm up to the crack of dawn, and uh, I'm running. But I believe some communities that uh, I'm fortunate to spend free time think I'm nuts. Because <laughs> here's this guy in the crack of dawn, and he's running and exercising all through neighborhoods, and I got this big smile on my face. I just can't seem to get it off. So, uh, wow. you know, uh, it's just uh, it's just, uh, it's just my own, my own uh, living heaven, Gene. George, listen, why don't you give us some idea? I I know you so well. We were comrades in arms locked up together. But give us some idea of some of the positive things you did while you were incarcerated. Oh, geez. Uh, well, uh, my first, uh, uh, when they uh, they sent me to Life No Parole, like 1983, uh I was, uh, they put false documents on me and sent me to the worst prison known to man in America. It was Marion. Basically, it was uh, 
people think it was a 24-hour lockup, but basically you were let out 11 hours a week, 11 hours a week, an hour, an hour a day uh, to shower and uh, do a little exercise on the cell block, and then uh, two hours outside yard and two hours inside gym. So that was it. And, uh, you know, I, I never even had a parking ticket in my life, and then I got the I got the, the sentence of life, no parole. I was uh, chained up and and escorted personally by marshals and Marion, and I was thrown in there. And I was in, that would be uh, almost central Illinois. When I pulled up there, I, the warden was actually waiting out front with several lieutenants, and he refused me. He said, I'm not accepting Mark Toronto. He said, he, he's a nonviolent first offender. This is not the place for him. For violent offenders, uh, violent escape offenders, and uh, he's not—he's he, not supposed to be there. Well, I sat out in front of that. Uh, the marshals tried to put me in county jails in the nearby area, but every county jail refused me because uh, Marion prisons had a very bad uh, stigmatization about them because I just got there after the killings of guards. So no county jail wanted me. The marshals didn't know what to do. You know, these prisons are placed in the middle of nowhere. So they, uh, they made, the, unfortunate for me, they contacted Philadelphia and the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia falsified a document, actually falsified a document with lies about violence because I had no violence in my PSI. And the warden actually apologized. He said, they faxed me this, and now you're max security. I wasn't max security. when Max security is the worst thing that you can have on a federal prison. With max security, it actually can keep you in a hole forever. So they labeled me falsely with max security, and there I was. I was brought into a, a prison. There was only 300 men on the lockdown cell blocks, and then you had 70 were actually welded in, uh, and uh, that's the control unit. And there I was, a nonviolent first offender. There's 34 guys on the block. And everyone either had a body or some type of uh, serious violence in their incarceration or in their case. So uh, I had to make a decision. I knew that I was with uh, Beast. And uh, when you come to prison, uh, there's two things that are going to happen. There's nothing else but two things that are going to happen. Either the best is going to come out of you or the worst. So I was at a prison where uh, majority, the worst, came out. But I, I said that I made a promise to my soul. I said, no, I'm not going to let the words come out of me. And uh, as Gene knows, uh, every six months you get a progress report. It's like a report card uh, you get in school. And that tells you what you do, and it's always your release date. Well, my first progress report, i never forget, I was, uh, I was laying down, and I heard a ruffle of paper in the bars. And the, the staff just placed it there and kept walking. And I opened it up, and I looked at my release date, and it said released upon death. So uh, I swallowed that, and I said, no, that's not going to happen. And I immediately went into some long workout routine and breathing, and I forced a smile on my face. So uh, it was a constant, and that's how it was for over three decades, a constant struggle not to lose myself, not to lose myself. Gene? Yeah, George, uh, I listen to you, and I, I, I feel for you because I was in the same situation. Uh, it, it, let me ask you, uh, now that you're free, give us a story 
I, I, I'm especially interested in your daughter. Tell us about getting reunited with her and how old she was when you went to prison and, and ha- what's happening now with you and her. Well, uh, you know, she was four years old. She's 36. And, uh, and, uh, we're, we're constantly on the phone and, uh, she's in, she was in my company, uh, out of the 11 weeks, she was in my company two weeks. And naturally she had a, uh, she came to Florida and she has a job in Philly. But, uh, you know, me being with her them two weeks, I, I observed, you know, I, she was my child and I observed her as a father and, uh, you know, mostly you can do uh, through feelings and emotion, observe the eyes. And her eyes definitely had a loss in them, which uh, actually made me weep. I didn't weep in front of her. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to try to make it up as much as I can. Coming down for my birthday, tomorrow's my birthday, my first free birthday in over three decades, and also my first Christmas. So she's George. coming down. Yes. George, how old are you? Uh well, uh, <laughs> I'll be sixty-six. Are you thirty-nine? I'll be sixty-six, but I just ran uh, six miles on the beach, <laughs> and now I'm okay. sitting in the treehouse. So, and uh, and that's uh, it's a terrible thing, you know, the, what I put her through, and I have no one to blame but myself. There's a, there's a statement that I always say. Uh, you know, I remained loyal to my own uh, nightmare of my own choice. Again, I remained loyal to the nightmare of my own choice. And uh, no matter, as you know, Gene, a lot of there's a lot of tens of thousands of unfair sentences across America. And the hardest case, the hardest case to beat is a frame. And basically, my case was uh, basically a frame would give me that kind of time. When my uh, when my probation, oh law, you got a you got a recommendation from the probation department. They scrutinize your case, and I was leader man- managerial role, but my recommended uh, guidelines to the judge were forty eight to fifty two months, ladies and gentlemen, forty eight to fifty two wow. months, and uh, and I got life no parole, and uh, they actually uh, put the cuffs on me and whipped me out, and then I didn't see actually a prison population until five Christmases later. The reason I say Christmases, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't I learned not to count the days, the weeks, the months, etc. Because uh, it would be madness to count the years, so I counted the Christmases and then thirty two Christmases and then this is my thirty third free. Gene? George, I wanna ask you a question. This is gonna this is painful for me to ask. Because I love you, my brother, and yes. I know your son. Your son passed away while you were in prison. Tell us, tell us something in his memory, please. Well, uh, you know, let me. I call them the right hands. You know, in the ring, you know, they try to tell the fighter to keep away from the right hand because when you get hit with a right hand, you know that's uh, you can lose the fight, get knocked down. Well, let's go with the right hands, as I say. In two thousand. Uh, the mother of my children died of cancer or got hit with a right hand. 2001, uh, my son, very handsome boy, good kid, died in a motorcycle accident, and I uh, got hit with that right hand. And this, this, when that happened, uh, that was a day I had to graduate a whole class. And I was at a penitentiary called the Bloody Beaumont. 
very violent place, and I was in a program uh, unit. And these individuals, they had no way to get out of there. You had no way to get out of an institution unless you programmed, which was uh, a year program, and you would graduate in good standing, and then you had a shot. You had a shot to get transferred closer to home. So graduating a class was very important to these individuals, and it was the day I learned my son died. But uh, I'm a, a man that uh, I, I consider myself a leader unto myself. Again, a leader unto myself. So basically, uh, I, I put on my uh, my prison clothes, pressed them, and went in and graduated class. And I never forget, I had sunglasses on, and as I'm graduating the class, tears coming down my face. But I felt that uh, even though I was, uh, you know, heartbroken, when you lose your child, you know, you smile, but your your smile's never the same. Your smile's never the same. So, you know, I graduated the class, and then that was my second right hand. My third right hand in 2002, I lost my father uh, to unwanted violence. So I got hit with three uh, right hands three years in a row, and uh, and I, I'm not counting uh, the loved ones I lost, uh, friends, and especially my friends in prison. I basically, ladies and gentlemen, I lost count of how many eulogies I wrote and uh, and spoke uh, to the the prisoner I passed on in the prison chapel. I lost count. George. So, uh, I want, yes, George, please. I want to ask you a question. Another question. I want to reminisce with you, if I could. Can you give us the story of what you and I did in the NAACP, two white guys who joined up while we were together in USP <laughs> Coleman? Oh, well, well, I tell people that story out here, and I even tell some black people that I met, and they think I'm nuts. But uh, <laughs> me and Gene actually were, we had the top uh, board member slots in the NAACP in a penitentiary setting, which... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, penitentiary, federal penitentiary setting, as many, many Americans don't know, is a very, very uh, traumatic, dangerous setting, more so than any any state prison. So me and Gene uh, got on our uh, our platforms, and we actually had, uh, uh, we spoke, and we had elections, and we had uh, all the uh, good, good, the good black gentlemen on the compound who believed in us to deliver change. They didn't look at us, uh, our race, uh, what we were. They they looked at how we can deliver change. And we, we carried that on for quite a few years. And we did a lot of good. Uh, we affected a lot of people's lives. We brought in N- M- NAACP chapters uh, from around the country. And uh, I'm proud of that. Matter of fact, that is documented in my, uh, in my prison paperwork. And that was presented to the judges when I made the final decision. See? George, what about Washington, D.C., and the the families march on to the Black Caucus that we organized? Tell us about that. Well, that was organized. It was a, it was a joint venture. My brother-in-law, John Fahey, who started the WeBelieveGroup.com, played a big part in that, part in that and they had big forum. <clears throat> I forget the the Civic Center, they had a big forum where a lot, a lot of major people in uh, Washington spoke. And it was the the only one since, which uh, amazes me. It went over very well. We had a lot of prominent speakers for change. And uh, there was a large number of people there. 
And like I said, it went very, very well. But a sad thing to say in prison reform, it gets his momentum, then it slows. And then it builds up momentum, and then it slows. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I can make a difference uh, speaking in, in the judicial community, uh, the prosecutorial community, and the political community. I'm hoping that uh, I can, I think I'll be able to get there. I'm getting some overtures, but, uh, you know, Washington is a, is a, is a, no one knows better than uh, you Americans out there. Washington is a fickle place. And uh, hopefully by uh, people like me and Gene who lived this uh, nightmare being warehoused, uh, my warehouse alone, warehousing alone was, uh, we had it analyzed. It was over 8 million. Between indictment costs, uh, court costs, incarceration costs, etc., uh, over eight million. And my appeals are numerous, and a lot of people out there in the world don't know. Every time your motion gets picked up by someone in uh, in the clerk's office, in the judge's office, etc., that's five hundred bucks an hour. Every time your your paperwork is touched. No, it was a complete, complete, and I was just one out of tens of thousands that the money has been wasted. And that, that is the truth of it. Gene? George, uh, uh, Mindy, uh, one, one of the pre- presenters of this program who coordinates it, uh, on a light note, she wants to ask you a question about that. You're raffling off your date. Whatever happened to that? Tell us. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, Wendy, Mindy or Wendy? I'm sorry. Mindy. Well, Mindy, I'm sorry. You, uh, I, well, a girl out of uh, Newark, Delaware, won, and I've been very, very uh, I'm an utmost gentleman, even though I'm in my corporation. So we we're getting together in February. So. Uh, <clears throat> And the money free, was donated. Sorry. The money was donated to uh, a child. But are you, Mindy? Are you in California? Are you in California? Uh, I'm going to put Mindy on. Actually, George, since you've been free, you you went on eBay. Is what I want to clarify to our listeners is that you went on eBay, and you um, put up. You asked for a date, and you raised money and gave gave. You said to a child. Um, I'm going to put Mindy on the phone to ask you. Um, I'm, I'm Christine. Mindy, Mindy's microphone was muted. Oh, at the moment. you're, are you there, you're Christine Four. I'm sorry, Christine. Yes. Yes, yeah, that's me. Um, Mindy, are you there? Oh. Yeah, I'm here. Hi, guys. Hi, George. Hi, Mindy. How are you, sweetheart? I'm doing great. Hey, you know, I'm curious though because so I've been married a couple times, and you know, getting back into the dating scene after just a, a few years seems like it's been forever. I can't imagine what it must be like coming out of prison after 33 years and trying to um, I figure that out. How how has that been for you? How are you doing with that? Well, uh, reference to the, the eBay thing, uh, we're reading in February and uh, we'll show her, uh, you know, take her to dinner, etc. But uh, over the years in prison, I taught a course how to be a gentleman. And so basically all you can do out here, uh, I had uh, yourself like a gentleman. And, uh, but I, in all honesty, uh, you know, you smile and you, uh, and you, you know, you pull out the chair and, you know, you go to dinner and they basically, they want to hear about uh, uh, what the audience wants to hear today about my trials and tribulations in the fourth world. 
when I say fourth row is a, a what I created means prison. But uh, there is a loss. I, I must say there is a loss. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I, I, a loss of, I guess, some kind of commitment. I have to find it. I don't know where it's at. It's in, it's in within me, and uh, I just have to find it. And I hope, I hope someday I'll find it, because uh, you know, strong men like uh, me and Gene, we were strong men in there. But no matter how strong you are, you're still a human, and you lose, you lose so much, and you just. Uh, and you can't admit it. You can't admit it. You know, you're on a date, and you can't, you can't say, uh, well, uh, would you like for dessert? And after dessert, uh, I have to go for a stroll because I just don't know how to feel. I have to go for a stroll myself because you just don't know how to feel anymore. So, basically, and I'm not a, I'm not a promiscuous person. I believe in romance. If anyone reads my writings and poems, I believe in romance. I don't believe in. Uh, uh, anything else but that. So I'm hoping that it comes my way. And uh, that's all I can do, Mindy. George, oh, that sounds wonderful. I want to ask you, George, you, you mentioned your writings. Would you tell our audience, to, uh, I want our audience to hear from you about the, the writings you've done while you were incarcerated. Oh, boy. Well, that started as uh, basically a nightmare. Uh, as again, I was in Marion, and we were considered animals all over the nation. Any prison we want, and I got pulled out on writ. And from Marion, I had to go out on writ, and I was pulled out in a in a, in a snowstorm. And the marshals dropped me off at this obscure county jail. I, I believe it was Indiana or Illinois. And uh, when you process in, anybody knows if you go to jail, you get thrown in a holding tank to get processed in. And I knew I was in trouble because they basically, uh, they had a what you call a 10-man hold on me. 10-man hold means there's a lieutenant with 10 guards. And I'm chained up. I mean, what can I do? And uh, they decided not to put me in any part of the prison that was active. They actually took me to condemn part of the prison basically in the basement, and these cells were condemned. They were boxcar cells. Boxcar cells mean they're double steel doors, about uh, two feet apart. One gets slammed, and the other gets slammed uh, to to, uh, utilize uh, myself as a bathroom use. There actually is a, a hole in the floor with like a clutch pedal in the car for flushing. So I was thrown in there, one light bulb, and lo and behold, uh, in a short time, a few hours, the light bulb went out. And naturally, uh, the only time I had an addressment to any staff was when they, they had a slot at the bottom of the floor. They actually used to sli- slide my food in on a pole like I was an animal. And uh, I said, hey, the light bulb's out. And they didn't pay attention. And sure enough, in a few days in the dark, uh, it's very, very traumatic. And I'm a strong man, but it did something to me. And I yelled and I screamed, nothing. They were just going to leave me in there until our marshals, whatever, came and got me. And it, when it's a holiday time, you can be in there for weeks. And uh, I found a pencil. I found a small pencil. So uh, I figured, well, I'm not going to let, let this make me lose it. And I started writing on the walls. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. 
And uh, when I finally, they let me out of there, basically every square inch of that cell, ceiling and sides I wrote on. And that's, the, that's my writing career. Ever since then, I, I haven't stopped. Because it, it saved me from madness. So I respect it. It's part of me. And that's how it all started. Gene? So, um, George, I remember in one of your books, uh, and Green Grow the Violets, it was beautiful. It really affected me. Written about a Philadelphia kid and uh, his going through life and so on. Uh, how many books have you published? Oh, my God. I, on ebook, there's a bunch of books. On smashwords.com, I got a bunch of books. Manuscripts, um, uh, I got boxes full. Short stories, you can go to freegeorge.us. There's archives. There's years and years of archives of short stories and poems and sonnets, etc., etc., etc. You know, uh, I guess through that, that, in that dark cell, God uh, bestowed a talent on me, and I wish I had it years ago. I believe I could have done well for myself, but hopefully now I'm being pursued by an agent pretty substantial age in New York and you write my uh he wants me to do a book proposal. <laughs> but, you know, I'm free, so it's hard to nail myself down, you know. You know, as I'm thinking uh yes. Oh, I was gonna say I was just reading some of your writing. Um I know that about a year and a half, two years ago, um uh the Seattle Hemp Fest um, we were doing a lot of advocating for our prisoners, and the Seattle Hemp Fest said, hey, I want to adopt a couple of your prisoners, and they picked you, and they put your writing. In fact, I'm reading some of it right now, and you wrote about um, you wrote about your books and about all sorts of stuff, but you wrote about being on lockdown, and they put it on their website as a voice for you, and it meant a lot um, that, that they were honoring you and your, and, and your help. In fact, I... I watched them. They had parties for you, and they collected signatures to help get you free. Um, but I want to talk. In fact, we have Vivian McPeak, um, the leader of the Seattle Hemp Fest, on the line. We're going to get to him in just a second. But I want to talk yes, a little yes. bit about, about what you wrote about, about being on lockdown. It says that there, there's, um, you have tips to eat less of what's in the paper bag you get three times a day. Um, lots of water is best. So, I mean, right there it tells us that they're feeding you food from paper bags. Um, take your narrow mattress and make it a chair out of it. Fold it, tie it off, a long t- t- torn piece of sheet. Um, it's just a list of things, um, tips for being on lockdown. Um, I, I assume well, you did a lot of writing on lockdown. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I wrote something about a lockdown. I don't know. Uh, See, a few months back, maybe a year back, and it went to the and it went to the federal judges conference. They actually read it. You know, the federal judges wow. that have changed their opinion about this warehousing, but about what you just read, you know, it's hard for me to remember. I would have to have boxes. I have to have to go through boxes anyway. When you're in lockdown, uh, you have to have a routine. You're not getting out of the six by ten. You're not. You're not getting out. So, you know, you don't want to lay on the bunk. You don't want to spend hours on the bunk. So, what I did after I got up and listened to the morning news, did my toiletry. I would. I had these uh, uh, lassos made out of sheet cords, and I would 
fold the mattress up and tie it down and throw it up against the wall, take it off the bed. And now it was a chair. And I kept it that way for uh, six to seven hours. And if you want to do uh, to relax, you sit. You don't lay down. Because uh, when you're in lockdown year after year and year, you want to lay down, you will deteriorate. And actually, and when you're in a lockdown situation, you have to work out more. I worked out three times a day, yoga, upper body, cardio, and you must become stronger. You must become stronger because, sadly to say, I actually seen men, when they get attached to that bunk and they lay there and they lay there, and they actually deteriorate. I seen their skin actually start to scale and become uh, flaky, and they lose their hair and they lose weight. But, uh, you know, Christine, you know what's sad? Hmm. Women are put through that, too. Women right. are put through that, too, in the federal system. I mean, as a man, you know, uh, whatever they threw my way, I uh, I took it. But there's a lot of women that uh, go through them situations. And that's what I'm totally, totally against, to uh, treat women like that. For sure. We Christine. just had Irma Alred um, released from prison. She was going to be a guest on our show, but I think she might have missed the interview. Um, but we've, um, I want to introduce you to the Seattle Hemp Fest, Vivian McPeak. Um, his team Keith, of people. Keith? Okay. Vivian, no, it's Vivian McPeak. He's run the Seattle Hemp Fest for about the last, um, since it began, I believe, for about the last 20 years. Um, and they've raised, had parties to raise, to raise commissary money in your honor and cards and all sorts of stuff going on. So I'm going to bring Vivian Vivian on the phone. Good morning, Vivian. How are you? Good morning, Kristen. Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to introduce you to George Monterano and Eugene Fisher, who are um, who both spent time together in prison um, over 25 years together, and we're very good friends in prison. But um, Vivian, George is free. <laughs> Hello, George and Eugene. It's so great to uh, to hear your voices, man, and to know that they're not coming from behind some. Uh, some bar or some window, man. Yes, I, my pleasure, brother. My pleasure. From your, and, uh, from your voice to God's ear. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I want you know, to you know, you guys, you, guys uh, you know, the money that you raised, it was used uh, in an extraordinary way. You know, as a teacher, a prolific teacher over the years, you know, the reason they, the, Gene will tell you, the teacher that goes to the staff and says, hey, I need books, I need copies, I need this type of uh, materials, et cetera, et cetera. They don't last long. It's the teachers that they don't see, the teachers that uh, stay the course and stay and graduate the numbers. So uh, the money, I used a lot of that money to buy books and materials. So that money helped a lot, a lot of individuals. I want to share that with you. Well, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. You know, it's, it's important to remind everybody that while we've been some unprecedented successes against prohibition, our, our work's just beginning and the heavy lifting's still ahead. We just can't forget all of the Americans in jails and prisons right now are still on there. And, and damn it, we're going to put prohibition on lockdown. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, well, George and, uh, let, let's, let's look at this like this. We said it in our show in the beginning. It looks like we've turned the corner and things are happening right. But like a good athlete, we got to get our second win and really yeah. race to the finish line. We can't give up, not till one prisoner is left 
in in prison for marijuana. Yeah. It has to be our goal. Yeah, we, well, we raised about three thousand dollars last year, and about four thousand, or excuse me, about three thousand dollars this year, and about four thousand dollars last year to put on commissary rolls of pot prisoners. Those are very small amounts. It's just a drop in the water. Um, but people can go to hempfest.org right now and click on uh, get involved, or click on education across the black bar, and you'll see "Be the Human Solution" in that Human Solution page. And of course, you know. Uh, uh, Kristen and Ben Grumbine and all of them on the Human Solution have done such a tremendous job. You know, the, the news coverage ends at the conviction, but that's when the real story begins. That's when the story that Americans don't understand starts at what happens to people when they get in the criminal justice system where all the emphasis is on the system, not the justice. So I'm just so thrilled that, that you know, <laughs> I mean, more people were released just in the last 48 hours. There were more prisoners released by President Obama. Yes. Yeah. Things are starting are to happen, man. Fight for. It's yes, starting but, to happen. Uh, here's my thing. Uh, my, you know, like I said, I'm not. I'm no. I'm, I believe I'm an expert. As far as living in the fourth world, that means prison on the inside. And Gene is an expert. Vivian, what's what I believe? They, uh, like I've said, I'm trying to to the, the little bit of connections I got. I'm trying to go speak in Washington as soon as possible because we have. Oh, I don't know, 220, 240,000 federal prisoners. Now, all of a sudden, the White House says, okay, we're going to release uh, 60,000 uh, between now and 2,000. And they're, they're drug offenders, nonviolent drug offenders, which is good, thank God. But you can't do it like that. You have to bring back parole, and this is the reason why. You have penitentiaries. You have penitentiaries where there's gang situations that you cannot imagine and I don't want to go into that. But you can't say, hey, them guys over here are going to get a break, and these guys over here are not, because there's some lot of good staff working for the Bureau of Prisons, and that's going to affect their their job. It'll be very violent situations. It, it could be people getting killed. You cannot say you're going to get a break, and over here they're not going to break, because the human mind, especially in a penitentiary, when they actually men go to prison, a lot of them become children again, and it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. So they need to bring back parole. They need to bring back parole, like my situation and Gene's situation. We we stood the course. We were educators and mentors. No incident reports, spotless records, meant nothing, meant nothing. If I didn't do these heroic deeds uh, where the judge says, okay, I'm going to let this guy out, okay, I would have been still in there. So parole has to be brought back because I believe, and I'm not an expert, but in a circus in a zoo, when an animal when an animal starts uh, deteriorating or becomes violent, they say, hey, we've got to put him out of reserve. We can't put him on display anymore. But a prisoner, he could stay in the cell till he dies, and he could basically walk on water. It means nothing. So it has to be, it has to be addressed now, Vivian. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, you, you've got a great story to tell, and now you're able to tell your story, and I think a lot of Americans are going to want to hear it. Uh, hey, I want to add one thing real quick while I'm still on the line is I can't forget to mention that the, the person that's really been behind all of this from HempFest is Sharon Whitson, our general manager. And, uh, you know, George, yeah. she's been one of, your biggest, one of your biggest supporters for a long time, and so I can't, I can't be taking credit here uh, without mentioning uh, Sharon, who's really been the powerhouse behind making this happen. 
Well, uh, gee, me and her, I, I, I prayed I can get out there in August and uh, and meet all you guys. I I stringently told my attorney, hey, whatever you got to do, I'm going to be out there for them hemp-fest people. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll have a spot for you, man. If you come out, we'll we'll certainly treat you right, bro. All right. Uh, I thank you, sir. All Vivian, right. hey, before guys, we thank go, you so much for having me. Yes, go ahead. Wait, Vivian, I have a question. Before you go, I just want to say for all of our listeners out there who want to help a prisoner like you did, uh, first of all, could you tell them what it takes just to say, I'll do it? And then secondly, will you tell us about the Christmas vigil in front of the King County Courthouse in Seattle on Christmas Day for our prisoners? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, first off, you know, helping helping a prisoner, I mean, really what it takes is just getting off your ass and making it happen and just doing it, you know. I mean, if you decide you want to do it, you can do it. Um, and there's a lot of organizations that people can contact. There's, you know, there's, there's another organization that deals with all drug prisoners, and that's the November Coalition, uh, also doing great work advocating uh, for people who are incarcerated and for their families. Um, yes, this will be the 16th annual uh, Seattle King County Jail Drug War Vigil. Uh, for the last 15 years, since 2000, uh, working with members of the November Coalition and the late uh, uh, Kevin Black, uh, we held vigil for two hours in front of the King County Jail every Christmas day uh, to just mark the fact that there's so many Americans, men and women, in jails and prisons away from the holidays for nonviolent drug charges. Uh, they just don't belong to be in jail. They just shouldn't be there. It's, it's a health issue. It's not a criminal issue um, if you just want to get high. I mean, for Christ's sakes. The only problem is you're not getting high on the drugs they want you to get high on. So uh, uh-huh. so we're going to be there down at the jail one more time, uh, and we invite people to come down. Uh, just uh, be peaceful, dress warm, and keep your pets on a leash. Cool, cool. Well, I'll see you there, Vivian. I'll, I'll for sure be, be there. Um, I know um, November Coalition is a group that we work very well with. Nora is close, close friends with Eugene and mine and probably George's as well. Um, so um, I will be there representing all of our plant prisoners. So I will see you then. All right. And I want to thank you for coming on and help, helping us um, with this show out today. Thank you, you bet. Vivian. George and, George and Eugene. Okay. All right, brother. Vivian. You hang tough, man. Thank you. Thank okay. you, my brother. Uh, I keep it, hey, thank Vivian, you. keep in touch. Keep in touch. You bet, brother. I'm going right. to do that. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Bye. Bye, Vivian. All right, you guys. That was Vivian yep. at Peak. Um, call in to help represent the Seattle Hemp Fest and all the help that they've given George. Um, so, George, what would you say to people out there who want to help a prisoner, and what what would you say as a prisoner um, that you need well, help? Well, basically, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to go far, ladies and gentlemen. There's someone in your community. I mean, uh, you don't even have to get in your car. There's so much incarceration in this, this country. You'll find somebody. You could find somebody at the church where you, somebody has a, a, someone, a loved one, a friend in jail. You don't have to go far. There's a lot of stuff on the Internet that you can get involved in. And uh, and like I said, you could start locally. And uh, mag- there, there, there's a lot of literature there's an awful lot of literature how to go about it. And like the organizations that they bring mentioned, you just have to touch base with any staff and any of these organizations, and they'll they'll lead you to it. Now, there's all types of support. I mean, there's, a, you know, just writing a letter. Uh, you can, uh, some some places you're allowed to send something, you know, some uh, arts and crafts. Uh, and then, sure, you know, a couple bucks is very important. Couple bucks is very important. So there's so so much you can do, but like they said, the mass incarceration is 
such a course this land that believe me, you'll find someone to help I, I, within a couple hours. Okay, George, we have we have a special guest on the line. Her name is Irma Alred, and I believe she just served, I think it was 19 years in prison. It might have been longer or shorter. She, we did all, we did, she just got out a couple months ago, and we dedicated a whole, a whole show to her. But because you brought up the women in prison, I would just like to take a second to introduce her. She's met Eugene on our last show, but I just want to introduce her to you because she's just a very powerful, upbeat, happy woman that um, I think needs to join uh-huh. this call as well. So hold on just a second. Supposed to call in earlier, but she just now called on. Good morning, Irma. We got uh, George Monterano on the line and Eugene on the line with you. George spent 33 years in prison. But how are you today? I'm doing a lot better. I'm still hanging around, you know, and waking up and realizing that, hey, I'm out here. Good morning, Irma. Hi, Irma. I'm George. Uh, Hi, George. Yes, and you're my I'm doing, sister. I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm still having to pinch myself once in a while, you know, and I realize that, hey, I'm out here and uh, getting ready to send some Christmas cards to some of my friends that I left behind, which is kind of like very hard because, you know, uh, I wanted to make them some cards, and I have to watch what I buy, you know, because I really don't have money, but I still go out and I get cards or I make cards, and I can't put no, like, sticky stuff or a little tree or something because the staff will take it away, take it off, and it takes all the excitement out of the card. But that's what I was trying to do. Well, bless you, sweetheart. And I I know uh, I'm going to go to Midnight Mass which is a blessing in itself on Christmas Eve. And I'll say a prayer for you, a prayer of Thanksgiving, that you're out celebrating Christmas. Uh, Thank you very much. I say a prayer every day for all of you people that are trying to do something for the people in prison because a lot of people don't realize Christmas is upon us and it's one of the saddest moments that we have in the female prisons. Tell us a little bit about what happens in a holiday in, in, when you're incarcerated? Let me tell you, I was in prison almost 22 years, and what's weird also is like on the Christmas holidays, somebody's family is always going to die. And it's one of the times that you wake up in the morning and you're trying to watch TV, and all of a sudden you hear somebody crying and stuff, you know, and, and it's a sad moment, you know. It, it's it's happened so many times throughout the years that I was there. So that kind of like it's expected already. But the girls would, no matter how, would rally and talk to the people and help each other. Some of the ladies over there, like I, like I said before, they only make $5.25 a month, okay? But for some reason... When the holidays come, they will hustle. They will they, they will go clean your cube. They, they will wash your laundry by hand. They will do whatever they can so that they can buy that little extra a lotion. I mean, now, the commissary is not full with a lot of good stuff, okay? Now, they got a lot of little babies, okay? So some of them will spend like that uh, whole dollar two dollars to buy little babies and spread the little, you know, presents around. And it, it's the, the giving that counts at the amount that they're spending and they just kind of like remember each other because you did a favor for them or just just because it's, it's Christmas. Wow. For sure, for sure. Um, I think George dropped off, but I think he might be back. Um, 
I think I see a new call coming in. So just so everybody knows, I don't think George is with us. Um, but I think Aramai. he's going to be back on. Yes. I, I want to ask you this because I, I, I was in the men's prisons, of course, but my heart goes out to you as a woman in prison. Tell us about the visiting room. I used to, my mother used to come and she used to say, "What are all these little boys doing?" And I'd say, "They're visiting their fathers." Tell us about, tell us about visits from children to their mothers in women's prisons. Well, uh, in the women's prison, it's a little bit different. Yeah, you you can have your family come in and stuff, but when you come in, the only time that you can hug and kiss them is they first come in, and then the the kids will, you know, they're around, they're allowed to. Know, walk around and play around, but you have to be watching them because they can't have too much fun because it's against the rules there. But you you can only like see them and then you can hug and kiss them when they leave. You can talk, you can play games, but they cannot be sitting on your lap or anything like that because those are against the rules. And if you do that, they will uh, take your visit off, and then your family has to leave, and and then you leave, and you know that's kind of like. A little sad, but uh, you can only touch each other when you come in and when you leave. So you're telling me that a child can't sit on his mother's lap or her lap? No, sir. They cannot be sitting. They they cannot be making contact like that. And the the reason that they say is that you could be smuggling contraband. You know, even though that's a child. You know, they're, they're thinking like the movies, you know. They, they don't treat it like it's a family for Christmas now. We got some good staff that have been working there forever, and they're taking consideration, stuff like that. But then you've got the newbies that come in trying to prove a name for themselves, and they just go haywire. And they'll holler at you and stuff, you know, that you know better, and then you get reprimanded once you go back inside, you know. So you you could tend to, like... You begin it around your family because you don't want to break the rules. Wow. So I'm wondering, um, we've got we got three ex POWs on the call. We got Eugene, we got Irma, and we got George. What is everybody's Christmas thoughts for for this? What are we doing this year um with our families? Um and what what are you looking forward to to being free this Christmas the most? Uh, uh, can you... Yes. Um, Irma, do you want to go ladies first? Well, first of all, I'm going to be very happy just to be around my family, okay? To me, family is everything, all right? So that is the blessing in itself. My mama's still alive and kicking and giving me, excuse me, I wish you giving me hell, you know, but uh, I love my family. Last night I went to a party and I met some of the distant cousins and stuff, and it was like a little bit off of me, but I still had a good time. So to me, Christmas is being with my family. Oh, George, how about you? you? George. Can you, am I, am I back? You're back. Yes, you're back. You're I'm, okay, I'm back. Second, well, back. Uh, yeah, I, I heard, I heard Emma, I heard Emma, and uh, she, can, Emma, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Well, sweetheart, I wanted to say to you, I know, I know the loneliness that you went through. I know when you turned on that bunk and you all you seen was that wall right next to your nose, and you got no comfort from that. And uh, I understand that, and I. I'm so happy that you're home, and I hope that loneliness all goes away, sweetheart. Thank you very much, Emma. 
I know, I know right. God is hearing you because uh, right. it's going right. to get better. Okay. And I love you, my sister. But anyway, as far as the holidays, uh, Christine and Jean, I'll, I'll try to answer that as best as I can as a poet. Uh, I just hope that uh, the Christmas angel comes in the wee hours and uh, reaches in and takes my heart out and uh, caresses and kisses the scars away. That's what I want Aww. from Christmas. Oh. Yes. What about Georgie, you, Georgie? I've got a simple thing. Let me just say it this way. Nine grandchildren, eight were born while I was in, incarcerated. The memory of my mother, she died while I was incarcerated. I'm just thinking, I, I was in church this morning praying for them all. I got grandchildren from two months old to 14 years old. I'm going to see four of them for Christmas and my two beloved daughters. And um, these, these the children of mine followed me around, George, like yours, your family did from prison to prison. And I can finally go to them for, for Christmas. That's Aww. the biggest well, blessing I have. Well... That's a blessing, and what we need to we need to multiply that. What we're going to have this year, tens of tens of thousands, and let's hope let's hope like the Berlin Wall came down, it comes down, it comes quickly. Nice. The Berlin Wall, the Berlin Wall fell overnight, George. Huh. It fell right. overnight, and the same right. thing's going to happen to our incarceration system. But I repeat, we can't rest. Our laurels till it's all over, and that means till the last marijuana prisoners out, till we get it taken off as class one drug, till all fifty states have legalized it. We can't stop. Well, whatever. Listen, whatever audience you guys can get me in front of the powers that be. One thing I learned how to do, and you know that, Gene, to speak. So just get me to the powers of be, and I will deliver. George, we're going to give you an invitation right now. We're going to have a Georgie Corner every every broadcast. If you want to do it, you give us ten yep. or fifteen minutes of your latest thought. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because I don't have to go anywhere but in my pocket, pick up the phone. <laughs> okay, so, you got it, Christine. I have Georgie you, Corner, okay. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about release, the only is that this phone becomes a part of your life. These cell phones. <laughs> I mean, it already happened twice. I had to stop what I was doing and run back to where I left it. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I I'm sent, I'm sentenced to a cell phone. I'm going to write something comical about it. About a prisoner Man, getting out, and now all of a sudden I'm sentenced to a cell phone. The cell yes, phone is your first enemy. <laughs> yes. George, yes. I'd like to ask you another question. I want a yes. George story. Tell us about the bubble boy. Tell us the story of what you did. Say, say it again. The what? Tell us about the bubble boy. The the oh, lady yeah, that, that, that yeah 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 that, that, that poor little Carlos yeah. Well, I was uh, again. It was sort of a traumatic time. Uh, I just had lost my son, and uh, a mother, uh, Angela Clemente, reached out for me, 
and uh, and uh, little Carlos Santo. Santo was his uh, first name, and she needed uh, this expensive. Uh, he was basically born uh, born a bubble, and she needed this suit made by NASA, and these suits cost uh, very expensive. Uh, they he was actually his attire. He had to wear these suits. And they were, uh, I don't know, I think they were like 7500 or 12500 a suit. So uh, I got a hold of the, the poor uh, James Gondafini who passed away, and we worked hard, and uh, we uh, we uh, had a fundraiser, and we got this little Santos where he can actually, never boy never came out of the house. So we got the little suit, and they would send me pictures that he was running uh, down the beach. So I'm proud of that. Okay, and, uh, tell the listeners what you mean by he couldn't be out of the house. What? Why? Well, what was this problem? Well, yeah, he was a basic allergic to everything. He was allergic to everything. He had to have it, even if the air went through the skin, uh, he had to have this suit on, and he had to have this hood and everything. But the boy never ran along the beach or anything like that. And uh, and with the suit, he was to be able to accomplish that. And it had to be the certain fabric that Nassau made. So uh, we worked hard, and we got it done uh, from prison cell. Wow. So you were, in, you were in prison, and you reached out to help this this lady. By the way, as I recall, tell us, this lady had this – she was raped, and she had this boy – Oh, yeah, well, I wrote a book about that, and, and uh, I wrote a manuscript. But, uh, she didn't want to do anything till I got out. And once I be able to travel more, I'm going to meet her. It's called the, it's called the East Stone, I Cry. And uh, basically, uh, she was uh, uh, she was abducted, and uh, she had her throat cut, and she was left to die, and uh, she was... Uh, stumbled upon and found and uh, her life was saved uh, with the medical community but but she was pregnant, pregnant from rape and uh, she didn't abort and from one uh, traumatic episode her life became uh, a one long uh, trauma trying to save this boy's life that uh, she, uh, you know she was born from a vicious act so it's just uh, amazing uh, what you can do from the cell. And why she sought me out is basically she says, my writing would touch the hearts of the people that need to be touched. And that's what I did. And I wrote all I can. I wrote short stories. I wrote poems. I wrote letters. And finally she got the help that she needed. She got a substantial amount of money. And uh, I'm happy. To, I was happy to do that. Okay. Nice. So that that was the voice from behind bars, the voice of a prisoner speaking out in a in that charitable way, in that loving way. It just shows the spirit of the spirit of a prisoner. Thank you, George. That's oh. beautiful. You guys we're we're about to go into close. I mean a closing for us, the voices of the cannabis war is very, very special as we honor some of our people who are not here um because of the, the cannabis war. So if you Irma if Irma and um uh, 
George would stay on the line with us just for a few minutes while we go through closing, and then we're just going to have a couple of final thoughts from you guys. Um, Eugene wants to say extra special um, today, an extra special close for his friend Bill, who he lost in prison. So, Eugene, do you want to tell us about Bill, and then I'll go into our closing? Yeah, I, um, I'm not sure, Georgie, if you know him. Bill Lamort, it was one of the most beautiful souls I met in prison. Uh, this New Yorker who's just as sweet and nice of a person as you can meet. He had a life sentence for weed, um, falsely accused. He was in the weed business and got out of it, and then they tried to, they gave him a CC like you and I had, George, put him back in prison. I was with the man in Lewisburg, and I, I saw him, his wife uh, left him. She was his showcase wife. She left him, and his secretary worked for him Went on the outside. He had a big business. She started to visit him, and they fell in love in prison. Uh, Dawn was her name. Uh, and uh, they got married. So when I got out of prison the first year I was out, Dawn wrote me. She said, on the 4th of July, Bill came in from the yard clutched his his chest and keeled over with a massive heart attack. Oh, boy. He left this world on the 4th of July, and huh. guys like George and I don't didn't, didn't celebrate the 4th of July. There was no freedom. I don't know any prisoner who celebrated the 4th of July, but Bill got his freedom. He passed away. Went to a better place on 4th of July. I'll never forget huh. it. And I, I say this in memory of Bill Lamort. Bill Lamort and his three sisters and his mother, very loving Italian family, and uh, his beautiful wife, Dawn Emberly. She's uh, still out there. She never remarried. And uh, just I say this in his memory. Well, All right, you guys. Okay. Go, go ahead. Well, Christine, uh, you know what Jean just said, uh, which right. is very, very sad, and hundreds of stories like that. Hundreds right, of right. stories. No. Now, what the public don't understand, ladies and gentlemen, please listen to me. Listen to me very, very carefully. When a man, whether young, middle-aged, or old, uh, deteriorates in prison, and he's terminally ill, Okay, he's taken out to a hospital, and uh, his uh, ankle is handcuffed to the bed uh, bed bar, and his wrist is handcuffed to the bed bar. The only thing he does is look up, and he hears the 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 bar, the metal slide. He hears the metal slide. That's all he hears. And they got two guys sitting there, and there's 24 hours. He don't know them, and basically they're just grabbing overtime. And that's how he's going to die. That's just I how know. he's going to die. His last breath is going to be with his ankle chain and his wrist chain and no, no comfort. That's how he's going to die. And they're dying like that. They're dying like that by the hundreds every month. And I just wrote George. a federal judge in Philadelphia about that. 94-year-old guy. Christian's father died like that. It was like that for my dad. Like George, it was like that for what? my dad, and I was there. 
I was there. Okay, with the so you two guards. You know I'm telling. You know I'm telling the truth. You know I'm telling the yeah. truth. Yeah. I, I just wrote a federal judge about a 94 year old man, and I said, Your Honor, not don't release him. Just let him go home. Home confinement. Let him die with his great grandchildren. Don't. And that's just how I described it to the judge. That's how they die. So, and they and like I says. Numerous times I died, I, I, I wrote eulogies and recited them to the, in the chapel. Gene knows that. So I hate, I hate to make you cry, sweetheart. I don't oh, want to no, do no, that. No, 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 no. It's just an emotional show. We're about to go into closing, and I, and I usually weep a few tears every time we do our closing here. So uh, with that said, you guys, we want to thank um, CCHI 2016 radio show sponsoring this Voices of the Cannabis War page so that all of our people can hear the voices of our prisoners who are in prison and for those that advocate for them. Thank you, CCHI, for, for this um, opportunity. Um, we also want to ask all of our listeners who are listening today to please, please help us in prohibition because we have over 50 people serving life sentences in prison. And if they don't get out, if we don't end the war, they will die there. They will die there like my father died there, shackled to a hospital bed, tormented and neglected to death. Um, and their prisoners get ignored when they're in there. Um, you guys, my final thoughts about Christmas is this. Um, my kids, they used to call my dad Santa Claus. And my dad hasn't been here for a couple years. So they took Santa out of, out of Christmas is what they did to, to my family. So we want to say rest in peace to my father, Richard Floor, who died shackled to our bed because our plant is federally illegal. We also want to say rest in peace to Gary Shepard, Mary Jane Jones, who were shot down by the federal government in a raid over 20 years ago. Gary was shot over 21 times. Mary Jane Jones was also shot. However, Mary Jane Jones, she lived and just recently passed away a few months ago. Um, but as, as they were shot down, they held baby Jake, and we still have baby Jake in our world, who's an amazing advocate for our plan. We also want to say rest in peace to Jack Hare who died of cancer, but before he passed away, he left us with some books, a book called Emperor Wears, Emperor Wears Those Clothes. And that book teaches us about all of the wrongs that the government has done and all of the rights that our plant has done. So please check out the book. We also want to say rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who passed away in, in prison for a plant, who left us with all kinds of motivational, inspirational books for us to read, even books that deal with death and teach us how to deal with death. Also to Larry Harvey, who was facing life, basically, in, in prison. And he went out to Washington, D.C. to advocate for all of our laws so that they can change. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Dee Young, who gave us Adam. Also to Curtis Cecil, who is Craig Cecil, serving life in, life in prison. Craig served, um, has served 15 years so far. And he left his son to our, our movement. And his son has passed away in prison, or not in prison, but he has passed away. We also want to say rest in peace to Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde, who were two children who were using our plant to cure their brain tumors. Well, when their, when their caregivers were raided, um, our little children didn't have a place to get their medicine anymore, and they died, they died um, because of the raids. We also want to rest, oh, rest in peace to Bernardo, yeah, to Bernardo Fumo Martinez, 
who um, was a big advocate. In fact, he was trying to get all of our prisoner stories heard around the world by taking videos. But he died of cancer in the middle of the war. So we want to say rest in peace to all of our people who have died, even the ones we, we haven't been able to mention because we don't know their names. So we want to say rest in peace to all of them and ask you all to help us in the war so our plant prisoners can come home to our families and be with their loved ones. Um, Eugene, Irma, and um, George, do you guys have any final thoughts before we end the show? Yes, uh, I want to uh, say one word to out there, ladies and gentlemen, Roger Gent, Roger Gent, which means we shall rise again. Thank you. Yes, beautiful. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. All right. All right. Irma, do you have there. any last words? Uh, I just Irma? want to say it was a show. It was very nostalgic for me to be on with my, my brother, George. We passed a lot of time together in prison. We're going to pass a lot of time as free people. For sure. Irma, are you still there? I don't hear you, but if you are... Um... <laughs> yes, I'm still here. I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody, and I want to say thank you to all of you for bringing all of this out to the public and making them aware and stay positive, and I wish everybody a very Merry Christmas, no matter where you're at. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, George. Right. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, um, Jeff, who was on our show earlier, who just who just got out after 22 years. Um, we're going to leave the listeners with this with this with this song. It's called "No More War." Uh, Kushite um, is there. Some rap, very popular rappers in our in our movement, and they sing this song. So, uh, I hope everybody had a good show and a Merry Christmas. Thank you, all of our listeners, for listening, and thank you, CC. Oh, right, thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you, Gene. Thank Take you. care. Call me. I'll call you, Georgie. All right. All right, brother. All right. All right. Bye, you guys. I swear I'm safe I don't know why you brought us to
No more balls, no more balls. Hey yo, we've had questions, but they black answers. Time for peaceful revolution like the Black Panthers. Cause we got solutions, yup, the answer to cancer. But they still got it up on schedule one. Why? Cause they making funds off of federal runs. Selling American guns for drugs and Mexican slums. The fast and the furious, killing off our children. Time to make a stand and demand the masses furious. They kids education is growing more Funds spent for spy killing drones While CNN and Patriot commercials Breed human drones from home Recording scripted terrorist training In places you can't visit So the real plan of extinction You don't get it The country surrounding Israel The holy land is now being in W.O. committed The war is spiritual But through the mind the actions is how they get it Or should I say the straps they say it's oil, but it's deeper than that. It's just more smoke to the mirror, so I radiate more hope clearer. Shed tears for my peers, the judgment day gets nearer. So I exercise mightier than the sword. Use the pen to paint the lines with conscious mind the world can explore. So maybe you can find out why it's the war. Some of the most powerful things are the thought that it's made of men. Some of the most cowardly shit that's ever known to Must we lose when we taught ourselves a lesson? Reach one, each one, teach one, empower them. 